So let's um, a little a little uh, background. So we started with the chapter thirty five starts with um, he says he wants to explain the the importance of action. Um, why Torah is so action based? We talked about the whole time is based on the pasuk Kikoru Vilecha Dover Maod that is very close to a person to serve Hashem Beficha verbally Bilvavcha emotionally and Lasosa with action. And the question is, why is it that mitzvahs are so action-oriented? We're so into doing the mitzvah. You know, whether we have feelings or they don't have feelings, that's sort of secondary to actually doing the mitzvah. Why is that? So in order to understand that, he brought an interesting statement from the Zohar, where the Zohar compares, he says that a, a person is like a, um, a wick, and the Shechina, the Divine Presence, is like the fire on top of the wick. But a fire has to have oil in order to keep it going. And the oil, says the Zohar, is uvdan tovan, which is maisim tovan, good deeds. The good deeds is the oil that keeps the flame, which is the shechina, connected to the person. And the question is why? Why is it that specifically mitzvahs and maisim tovim, good deeds, is the oil that keeps the shechina, the divine presence, on a person? After all, we have a soul. And why is it specifically about good deeds? That's the question. So basically what he goes on to tell us is a very important concept, a very interesting concept. And that is, there's two forms of connection to Hashem. One is the feelings that we have. Oh, we love Hashem and we fear Hashem and we have all types of, that, all types of feelings. Um, feelings are wonderful, but ultimately feelings are my feelings. What I appreciate, what I love, what I understand, and so on and so forth. Mitzvahs are not about me, they're doing what he wants. Fulfilling his will. Now Hashem wants me to wrap tefillin in the morning. No, I feel it. I feel. I don't feel it. I like it. I don't I appreciate it. I don't. That's what he says he wants me to do. And the ultimate connection with Hashem is when we do what Hashem wants. Hey everybody. Shalom, shalom. I don't. I don't Shalom, Rabbi Silverberg. Really? Shalom, shalom. I've been here once. Long, long, long. So what he's telling us here is that the actual doing of a mitzvah represents doing what Hashem wants and putting myself aside for Him versus my own spiritual feelings. We're on page 88 on the top of the page. Well, mitzvahs are my symptoms. Right, right. Mitzvahs have always two parts. There's been Adam L'makom and been Adam L'chaveru. All of that goes under the category of my symptom. Like chesed, doing something else. Right? That's, it's not just that. No, it's not just. My simtovim means good deeds. Deeds are mitzvahs. Good deeds are mitzvahs that Hashem says, whether they're between man and man, whether they're between man and Hashem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I said that over at least five times. I like that. Which concept? With the oil and the wick. and Because also we, we learned it literally right before Hanukkah. Right, right. So the idea of oil is that the oil becomes totally consumed in the fire. It doesn't remain. It's not its own entity. It's all about being consumed in the fire. And therefore the mitzvahs that we do is all about doing what Hashem wants and not what we want. Um, This week I was, when was it? Sunday night I was in Toronto and I gave a uh, a lecture on, it's also for a group of women on enhancing relationships. Um, my wife runs a uh, society. My wife's father has a school in Sfat for Balot Chuva, which I spend two months a year in the summer. I teach there in the summers. That's where I am in the summers. 
So they have different events throughout the year in America. So he had Sunday night in Toronto, and this was the, the title was Enhancing Our Relationships Based on Torah. Um, so of course I started, I said, uh, you know, it was titled Enhancing Our Relationships. I figured the best way to enhance mine is when my wife asked me to speak here tonight to speak. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we talked about using the model of how Hashem has us connect with Him to our connection, our relationships, whether it's a husband or wife, whether it's children, whether it's parents, whatever it is. So one of the very interesting things is that Hashem is very particular. He says He wants us to do mitzvahs exactly the way He prescribed. So He says, I want you to wear exactly this type of tefillin, I want you to daven exactly at this time, and I want you to keep Shabbos exactly at this time. He's very, very particular. Now, if I come and say, well, I feel it, I would you know, feel better serving Hashem by you know, keeping Shabbos starting Friday afternoon. I would feel very good about taking Shabbos till Sunday afternoon. That's wonderful, but that's not what he asked for. When we're doing something, when we want to connect to Hashem, it's by not thinking what I would like to do, but what does he want of me to do? And that's what mitzvahs are. Mitzvahs are, in, in Hasidic, in Tanya expression, ratzon ha'elyon. This is his ratzon, this is his will. And by putting myself aside and doing what he wants, that's the ultimate form of connection to him. And that's why that's the oil that keeps him there. Again, the oil represents that which is totally consumed in the flame. It's not its own self. It's all about the flame. And when we're doing a mitzvah, it's not about us. It's about doing what Hashem wants us to do. That's basically what we've been learning. And we'll continue from there. Again, page 88, just about 10 lines down. The line starts with the words, Biyuchud Gomor, by the period. And he says, the concept that we talk about, which literally means the resting of the divine, when the divine rests on someone or on something, or dwells on something. This is when Hashem, when the godliness is revealed. The infinite light of Hashem. Whatever, wherever Hashem is resting. So if Hashem is resting on a person, it means that Hashem is being revealed within this person. If Hashem is resting in the Beis HaMikdash, it means He's being revealed in the Beis HaMikdash. V'hainu lomar. What does that mean that Hashem becomes revealed somewhere? She'oso davar nichlal ba'or Hashem. That that particular object, person, or place is included within the divine light. U'batol loy b'metzios legamri. And becomes totally nullified to Hashem. Only then, when something is null, feels nullified to Hashem, is it that Hashem rests and is revealed within that thing. Aval, however, everything that is not totally nullified to Him, so the light of Hashem is not ultimately resting and revealed within that entity. And this is a rule, especially in Hasidic and Kabbalistic way of understanding, which is, one of the basics of Hashem is that He's one. Right? Hashem Echad. Mm-hmm. Just like there's a mitzvah to believe in Hashem, and there's a separate mitzvah to believe in the oneness of Hashem. We say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Olokeinu Hashem Echad. The oneness of Hashem. Right? What does it mean that Hashem is one? What, what, what is the idea of that mitzvah, of achdus Hashem, that Hashem is one? So on, on the simplest level, Hashem is one means that there isn't two deities, there isn't three deities, there isn't three gods or four gods. That's on a, on a very basic level. On a deeper level, what does Hashem Echad mean? Not only that there's only one God, not two, 
but that there's really no independent existence to him. Like we say in the Aleinu, what do we say? We should take to our heart. God is God in heaven and earth. Or that there's nothing else aside from him, independent of him. So although things look very independent, we look around, I don't know, where's God? This is a house, a table, and chairs. But we believe that everything is there only as an expression of the divine energy that's in it. So the revelation of Hashem means when something feels and see and, 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 and expresses that it's nullified to godliness, that it's only an expression of Hashem. As long as we feel independent entities, that means Hashem is not revealed in us. When we feel that we're an expression of Hashem, then Hashem is revealed within ourselves. Hmm? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? That means when, you know, it's interesting. There's, there's all types of sins that people might do. The Gemara talks about one person that Hashem says, I can't handle more than anything else. Who's that? Okay. Excellent. Excellent and excellent. Arrogance. Arrogance. Gaiva. It says, uh, um, Hashem says, there's one person I can't live with. A Balgaiva, an arrogant person. Now, none of us know anyone that's arrogant, right? No. 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 Good. I'm happy to hear that. Um, but because arrogance is the ultimate no-no. Why? Why is arrogance worse than anything else? Because the whole idea of Hashem, the, the truth of Hashem is Hashem Echod, is the oneness of Hashem, how everything is really only an expression of Him. As soon as I'm into myself and my own entity and my own arrogance and so on, what I'm saying is I'm independent. I'm my own big thing. I'm not part of Hashem. And that's the ultimate, I don't know how to say turn off, but the, the, ultimate, the ultimate disconnect from lack Hashem. Of, a lack of also. It's a lack of Amunah. It's a lack of seeing Hashem and recognizing that Hashem is you know, the first words of Shulchan Aruch Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid A person always feels in the presence of Hashem. Now when you're in the presence of just even a great person, you feel small. Even if it's a great person. Now, how much more so if Hashem is in the room? So if, if I feel, if I believe in Hashem, if Hashem is a real entity, the more He's real in front of me, the less I'm going to be into myself. Again the, again, the example is, you're standing in front of a tzaddik, right? You visit a great tzaddik. You feel like, a, you know, fly on the wall. And, you know, if the great tzaddik is Hashem, if, I'm, if I feel that I'm standing in front of Hashem at every moment, then I feel humble at every moment. The more I don't feel Hashem in the room, the more, the more I feel myself, the more I'm arrogant. And that's why the, the concept of arrogance and humility, there's, there's a sugi in the beginning of Masech the Sota, there's pages where the Gemara just goes on arrogance. It's like, and, and arrogance is a very common thing. It's a very, it's a very natural thing. Right? But what does the like, Gemara consider arrogance? So the Gemara doesn't say, but it talks about a person who's into themselves, is looking for covet, looking for honor, um, is just thinking about themselves Constantly. The, the Shulchan Aruch says, like, specifically, like, don't buy expensive clothes. So you should wear clean clothes, but very, like, mo- moderate. Oh my gosh, don't look. <laughs> but, um, again, a- arrogance, it's, it's a very, you ask a good question. What exactly is arrogance? And, of course, there's people who, there's, they, there's I'm sorry? It's, it's different for everybody. Yeah, it's different for everybody, and there's a million levels in it. Um you know, I, I always tell my students, it took me a long time till I reached perfect humility. <laughs> I had to work on it. It wasn't so easy. But Baruch Hashem, I got there, right? It's a, it's a lifelong work. And the natural tendency 
is to feel ourselves and to be looking for ourselves and to be looking for, you know, to feeling good and feeling respected and honored and so on and so forth. That's natural. And yet, the more one spends time and effort on thinking about Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid and remembering that we're always in front of Hashem and remembering that it's all a gift of Hashem and that we're, we're merely servants here of Hashem and it's not about me, um, the more one is able to achieve a greater level of humility. And that's something to work on. It's not a natural... And there's no perfect... And there's no perfect, like in everything. There's no, there's, no, there's no peak that you reach. It's just a constant strength. Exactly, exactly. Most humble person, Moshe. Right, right. The Torah says about... It's interesting about Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu is the greatest of all Jews ever. Greatest person ever. So one will think, what's the greatest accolade the Torah can give from Moshe Rabbeinu? Like, you know, right. what, the greatest... You can still give money right now. <laughs> yeah, give money. That's fine. Bring me home safe. So you think Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah wants to say, Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest man ever died. What is he going to say? Greatest genius, kindest person, greatest, you know, and all these things. No. Most humble person ever. Which tells us that humility is a real big deal in the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest thing we can think about him is humble. Or in Shmon Esrei on Shabbos, when we talk about Moshe Rabbeinu, what do we say? Yismach Moshe b'matnas chelko. Moshe should be should rejoice in his lot. Why? Ki eved nemon karasalo. Right? That's in everyone's sitter? Shabbos? Because I mean, we have different nuschais. But that's the basic idea. That he's an eved nemon, a trusted servant. The greatest Jew ever, what's the greatest accolade we could think of? That he was Hashem's trusted servant. And the Torah says, Ha'ish Moshe Onav Me'od. He's the ultimate Onav, the ultimate humble person. Which tells us how Torah rates things. That humility um, and bittel, which is nullification, um, is, is really the essence of what it means to be a person that's a person of Hashem, a person of God. What about like enjoying like things that God provides? You know, is that like that, you want not... like a nice scotch and you're like, oh, it's or a nice caber- cabernet or whatever it is. I don't think that's so, a humility issue. But it's like, oh, but I like bought a nice bottle, and then people are going to think of this and think of that, and Listen, could be arrogance, you know. Everything could be. Everything is how it's done, and everything, mm-hmm. you know. The same two people can buy the same bottle with different intentions. One could do it to add to the ambiance of the evening and add to this to the simcha to the suda's mitzvah. Right. In, in, <laughs> in booze, yeah. In, <laughs> me, in, in appreciating the fact is when when Chazal said. To do right, a mitzvah, right. they say do it on a cup of wine, right? Do it in a non-arrogant way, I guess. Like, take your Gucci label off, but enjoy the warmth <laughs> of the Gucci jacket. Whatever. There, there's something about doing something beautiful. For Shabbos, there's a concept of wearing beautiful clothing and have it set a beautiful table. And the question is, am I doing it in the honor of Shabbos or am I doing it in the honor of myself? And that's always a thin, there's a right. thin line. And again, two people can buy the same things and set the same thing. And with different emotions going on and different feelings going on. So it's about what's central and what's secondary. So again, I could buy the same beautiful wine or great right. bottle or whatever it is and put it on the table. Now this is a beautiful Shabbos table and I feel like Shabbos is coming in. It's a day of royalty and my kids know that and my wife knows that and everyone knows that, that this is a special day in our home. And we honor it in that way. And that's, that's using it for the best purpose possible. When it becomes about who's able to bring the nicest bottle because that shows on my own, you know, whatever, that's when that, this, you know, meandered off into a personal, you know, thing. And so many things that what's done is much less significant as what's the intention and what's the expression and what's the feelings behind it. Sure. So that's what he's saying here. Um, so he says that really 
that level of, of, of so the, the Hashem's revelation somewhere is commensurate with the level of humility and nullification to Hashem. And therefore, he's going to go, and now in the next three lines, we're going to learn something very powerful. And he says, therefore, and I think we touched on this last time, I don't recall, but it's, it's such a powerful point. You have putting on tefillah. And I, and I mentioned that already before, but that's something that, a mitzvah that we do every day. It's a simple act. Right. I could put on tefillin, a great tzaddik could put on tefillin, a person on the street could put on tefillin, everyone could put on tefillin, and everyone does the same mitzvah. Then there's the things that make people unique. Like the tzaddik, when he puts on tefillin, he has all types of feelings and thoughts and love of Hashem, fear of Hashem that are way beyond the putting on tefillin of the ordinary person. Right? So let's analyze this for a moment. You have the tzaddik. The tzaddik put on tefillin and had great feelings of love for Hashem. There's two parts. There's the actual act of putting on tefillin and there's the great feelings. Which of those acts is the greater one as far as where Hashem rests on this person at the, at the moment? On. So one might think, you're right, of course, but one might think, well, putting on tefillin, everyone can do. Every, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry you know, can put on tefillin. No big deal. And I, I, this afternoon, I put on tefillin with a person that doesn't put on tefillin. No, only when I see him, maybe, I don't know, once every few months. So it doesn't take much. He puts on the tefillin. So one might think that putting on tefillin is not such a big deal, but the love and the fear of the tzaddik, that's a big deal. And there's, there's logic to that. And yet the Torah tells us the opposite. The actual mitzvah is the putting on tefillin. So if the tzaddik would have his choice, so to speak, Let's say the tzaddik, you got to do one or the other now. You can either put on tefillin and forget about the love and fear, or you can have a lot of love and fear and forget about the tefillin. Which one is the tzaddik going to choose? Right. Putting on the tefillin. Because the, the essence of God lies in the fulfillment of his will, not in the greatness of the person's feelings towards that. That's secondary. It's great, but it's secondary. Because the person's feelings towards Hashem is me, is the person. And the putting on tefillin is doing what Hashem wants. And that's the point he's going to make in the next few lines. Let's read that. It says, the line that starts with the word bo, a little bit more than halfway down. Even if you have a complete tzaddik, and the Yalta Rebbe who wrote the Tanya knows what a complete tzaddik is, right? So he says, even if you have a complete tzaddik, that connects to Hashem, with tremendous love. No mind really grasps Hashem. Even the tzaddik. Ki amitis Hashem elokim emes, the truth of Hashem, who yichudo va'achduso, is Hashem's ultimate oneness, shehu levado hu, that he is the only real existence, ve'efes bilado mamish, and really nothing else has any independent existence. So the truth of Hashem is that he is the essence of all existence. V'im kena, therefore, being that the truth of Hashem is his oneness, his onlyness, so Zeha Ohev, this one who's loving Hashem, Shehu Yesh, Velo Efes, the lover of Hashem, is, is an entity, is a tzaddik. He's not, he's not nothing. So Leis Machshava delay Tfisa Beklal. Even the Machshava, the thoughts of the greatest tzaddik, can't ultimately grasp Hashem. Ve'en or Hashem shore umizgalebo. And therefore the light of Hashem is not ultimately resting and revealed in the tzaddik, only through the performance of mitzvahs, which this is the will and the wisdom of Hashem alone, without any concealment whatsoever. 
So that's where that's where it lies. The essence lies there. And that's why going back to what we said earlier about Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah doesn't laud Moshe Rabbeinu with being a genius. It doesn't laud him with being a great lover of Hashem. It doesn't laud him with being, I don't know, all the great things he probably was. It says he was an Ebed Hashem. He was a humble person. He, he saw himself as Hashem's servant. And that's the greatness of the tzaddik. And that's what all of us can be. All of us, when we do Hashem's will, are acting as Hashem's servants. And that's where Hashem really ultimately resides. And then he says something very interesting in the footnote. It's a little bit Kabbalistic, but I just want to read one interesting point. He says, V'kasher shamati mimori olav hashalom. Like I heard from my teacher of blessed memory, this is the only time in Tanya. Is this the only or... Yeah, um, I think this is the only time in Tanya where the Alter Rebbe ca- talks about something he hears directly from his teacher. Who's his teacher? I'm sorry? Close. The Magid of Mezrich. How do you know that? And that's correct. Because he knows. Everything. <laughs> trading cards. When you guys were in the Ukraine, did you go to the Magid of Mezrich? And that was, and he's a Talmud of the Balshamto. Correct. And Balshamto started. And, who's the Balshamto, and who taught the Balshamto? Achim Shalom. Oh, he knows the stuff. Now you stop. Did you go to uh, Mezvid? Did you go with with Turk? So the the Balshamto, you were by the Balshamto, right? So the Balshamto was the founder of the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Sral Balshamto. And he, his, the Hasidic movement, he founded, and he lived in a place called Mezhebush. And that's where he is in Turk. And that's where you work, correct? Mm-hmm. The, the Balshantov had many great disciples. But his successor was known as the Magid of Mezrich. Rabdov, his name was Dovver. And he was the successor of the Balshantov. Interesting piece of information, just because we're a little all over the place here. And that is, the Balshantov passed away on Shavuos. The one who initially succeeded him was his son. And his son, his name was Tzvi. And Tzvi succeeded his father, the Baal Shem Tov. And for an entire year, he led the Talmidim, the disciples, the Hasidim, whoever. One year later on Shavuos, they were sitting around the table, Tzvi and all the disciples, and he gets up and says, my father came to me in a dream and he said that I am not meant to be his successor. I'm not meant to be his leader. Rather, it should be Dov Bear. And he points then. Dov Bear was sitting at the table as a disciple. Right? And he took off, I guess there was the turban or the whatever it was, the garment that was for the leader, took it off, walked it over to, to Dov Bear, the Magid, and gave it to him. And from that moment, Reb Dov Bear became the leader of Hasidic movement. One of the great stories in history. Imagine. He's leading the Hasidim, and his, he's, he's his father's son, the Balshamto's son. He's the rightful ear to the throne, so to speak. And one year later, Shavuos, he gives it over to Reb Dov Ber. And at that point, Reb Dov Ber, who is the great teacher of Mezrich, becomes the leader of all, Hasidic, of all Hasidus. And he is the disciple of the Balshamtov and his successor. Now, Reb Dov Ber had many disciples. One of them was the Balatanya, who were learning his Sefer. Um, he had, but he had many disciples, like Reb Mendel of Itepsk, Reb Eli Melech of Lezensk. He only mentions his, his Rebbe once here? A direct quote from his Rebbe. The entire Tanya is written as if, just... Anyone's Rebbe. Yeah, as, and he says, I learned it all from my teachers, but he doesn't say what he taught, what he, what he said. But here, he says, Kasher Shomaiti Mimori Olaf Hashon. He says, it's very interesting, this is the place that he decided to put him in. And he says, as I heard from my teacher, of blessed memory, Pirush Vitam, a reason and explanation, Lamashakosav Beitzchayim. 
to this that's written in Eitz Chaim. Eitz Chaim is the primary work of the Ariza, who comes before both of them, and was uh, probably one of the greatest Kabbalists ever. She'ori in Sof Baruch Hu, that the infinite light of Hashem, Eino Misyachid, does not become one, Afilo Ba'olam Atzilus, even in the highest spiritual world, which is called the world of Atzilus, emanation, which we're not going to discuss now. Ela Alidei Islab Shuso Tchila Besfiras HaChochma. That Hashem always comes into the level of Chochma. Why? Because Chachma is all about Bittel. The word Chachma is really the word Koach Ma, a power of what? It's the, uh, it's the level that's a total recept- uh, keli, a vessel for, any, for the light that's above. And he says, ha-emes. Godliness is the, is, is, uh, is the one truth. And the only place that's a real vessel for Hashem is one that recognizes that Hashem is the only entity. That's what Chachma is all about. And he doesn't go into that, doesn't explain it. But I, I wanted to read that because he does mention his Rebbe here. And he says that this, that the basic idea is the idea that he's talking about and that the ultimate vessel, the, ulti, the ultimate cable vessel for Hashem is that level of humility and feeling Nullified well, to the oneness of Hashem. I'm sorry. That person could achieve. Can achieve right? The the more you know what I'm saying, the more one is humble, the more one is a vessel for godliness, and that's true. That's See, the truth. The feeling that I kind of got when I was just in Israel visiting Sabikum, I I kind of I kind of felt that they give, you know, we each decide what percent of our lives we're going to give over to God, really. And we stay involved in whatever other Mishigas or whatever else. I feel like these Gedolim have chosen to give 100. And then when you give 100%, you're like, you have like a constant connection. And that is why you go there and tell them what you need and, you know, and things, and things can happen. Very well said. Very well said. And that's what it's all about. The more one is able to see themselves as only an extension, only an expression of the more they're connected, the more that power flows through them. Now, the only thing I would want to say about that is that that doesn't necessarily mean giving up the things that we're doing. It means seeing that in the things that we're doing. There's nothing wrong with having a job. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with doing a lot of things. The question is why I'm doing it and what I'm feeling. And the same thing goes, you asked before about about the wine, just as an example. It's not about what we're doing, it's about the intention behind what we're doing. So a person who goes to work every day and a person who has a job and a person who has a home and everything else, all of that is not a contradiction to being a godly person. The question is if I'm in it for the good time and in it for the fun, or I'm in it as part of my shlich, as part of my um, my mission in this world, mission from Hashem. Um, there's, nothing, uh, there's nothing anywhere in Torah against events, having a job and having a home and having a family and being, having a happy life, right? That's not, that's not something we have to look to give away. The question is the intention, the question is the feelings, and so on. And of course, to daven every day, to learn Torah every day, and to mitzvahs, yeah, no question. So is this saying mitzvahs are only, only action items? Meaning, ah. if you have a mitzvah to be kind to someone, but it's not, you're not doing a direct action, Okay. That's not as important. Okay, so that's exactly where we begin now, what he's going to move on to at the next step. That's a, it's almost, you said exactly what I would have said uh, right now, so, Yeshikoa. Why? Is that you said there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to throw you off. You said before, it was all, it was all worked out. But otherwise, for sure, I mean, we can do, we can reenact their Tzvi and Dov Ber. That, that was all I have, so. <laughs> that's, that's the end of my show, so. We're done. Class dismissed.
<laughs> but by the way, I, I did want to say though, Rabdov Bear of Mezrish, the Magad of Mezrish, where is he interred? Where is he? Where is his cover? Mezrish. Nope. See, I, was, I was hoping you'd say that so, so I could I say no. I don't, I don't think I went there, so I don't know. So the, but in Anipal, together with his disciple, Rabzusha. Where is Anipal? Oh, that I don't know. <laughs> but Rabzusha Anipal is one of the great um, Hasidic masters. He was a disciple of the Magad of Mezrish, and he wrote an approbation to Tanya. He was a colleague of the Balatanya. And so the Magid of Mezrich is buried in Anapol together with Rabzusha. Now, I've seen pictures of it, but exactly where that is on the Russian landscape, I don't know. In fact, I, I think I've told you, I don't even travel to all these places because I'm a Kohen. So I don't travel to cemeteries, typically. Um, I've never been to that part of the world, Russia, Ukraine, whatever. But I have a, my daughter who... You're, talk, far, right? you're, not, you're not missing much besides... Besides that. the Kvarim. So... Yeah. But, I understand. So my daughter, who we talked about before, <laughs> go, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> so she goes. She, you know, it's coming up in in two weeks. Is the Balatani's yard set? In fact, we, we got to do something on, on the 24th of Tevis. We have to do some type of fabrengen. We were we were students, but so for the last two years, my daughter was there for by in in Hadich for yeah, his yard set, and there's thousands of people who come there. But when she's there, she goes to all of them, all the places, Balshamto and the Magid of Mezrich and, and so on, and all these places. So you've been, anyone else has been to these places? Just yourself. Through his WhatsApp. Right. So lucky. Okay. So here's the thing. So what is it about action mitzvahs? All of this just explains mitzvahs. But what is it about action? That's exactly the question you asked. Why is Hashem so action-oriented? And that's really what starts right after this star, uh, or asterisk, whatever, until the end of the period. And I'll just give you the, the basic point, and then we'll read inside and see how much we can cover tonight. And that is, anytime we do Hashem's will, we are making ourselves a vessel for Hashem, no matter what it is, whether it's action-oriented or Torah study or feeling, whatever it is. But when you do something with action, you're bringing it into, your, into our bodies and our animal soul. And that's bringing Hashem down into us as physical people. And ultimately, that's key. Because the reason Hashem sent us down into this world, into a physical world, into physical bodies, and to be very physical people, the trick of everything is to bring godliness and make that part of our physical selves and the material lives that we have and are. So therefore, the more our mitzvahs are action-based, the more we're bringing the godliness further down into the realm of action and into the realm of our actual physical bodies, our goof, and making our body a holy place and our animal soul turning that into something holy. And that's why action is so important. When I'm studying, I'm using my mind. Even when I'm using words, verbal, um, speech is not considered a full action in halacha. I mean, in Gemara, it's talked about, you, just for example, in Halacha, you wouldn't get malchus, you wouldn't be punished for a lav she'en bo maisa, doing an avera that doesn't have an action. Action is, you take your hands, you take your legs, and you do something. And this is a world of action. In this world, action counts. Because it's a physical world, it's an action-oriented world. When we do mitzvahs with our hands and feet, we're bringing the kedusha all the way down to our hands and feet. Whereas when we just... Learned Torah, which to, learning Torah is great and can access to Hashem in an unparalleled way, but we only brought Hashem into our brain. We didn't make Hashem part of us as a physical body. 
And that is the advantage of action, in short. And let, let's see how he says uh, it. Mindful of the same as an action of Explain. Uh, I say, I believe that there are multiple deities. But somebody who said that and believed it versus actually taking action and bowing to an idol of some sort. So I'm par with one another? Halachically? Halachically, if one accepts it in, in the mind versus one who serves it bodily and physically, are they on par halachically? Okay. Anyway. You know what? I, I'm not passing yeah, any. Shy, I'm not passing any shilas here. Okay. I so believe because you, you said verbal doesn't really have the same. Right, uh, but I, bu- I believe that avodazara is an exception to that rule, because avodazara is primarily a belief issue. So there, I believe that it would have the same um, significance halachically. I'm saying that not sure of myself, but I believe avodazara is different. But most averas are not that way. Most of it, to, to be Mahal Shabbos, you got to do something. You can't think about being Mahal Shabbos or even say that you're going to be Mahal Shabbos. You got to do it. And, and the vast majority of us are that. Walking beyond the distance is. Well, that's action. Walking. walking is action. Walking is action. But if I'm thinking beyond the distance, I'm thinking about what's going on, on the other side of the world. That's not so. There, there is no avera that's going to be in machshava. Again, I believe avodazara is a exception to that because that's about deos. That's about our mind. But otherwise, not. And the same is with mitzvahs. Mitzvahs have to be done. You can't think about your tefillin. I mean, you could. But not going to help you very much, right? And that's because the Torah is action oriented because it's about making this world a place of holiness. Think about it. You could, you could say kriyashma. Without, right. But that, that an action. Right. So it's not such an action. So it is a, it is a mitzvah, but that wouldn't have the advantage of, of my sim tovin. Think about Torah that you learned. And... So again, Torah is verbal and thinking. Although, interestingly, even, even when it comes to Torah, if you think Torah, you wouldn't make a birchasa Torah in the morning. Right? We have to make a bracha before we learn Torah in the morning. That's only for verbalizing it. So even Torah, which is verbal, not action, you at least have to verbalize it. Yeah, when a person learns Torah, one is supposed to verbalize the words. What's the mouth of the words? Unless you're hearing the shir. If you're hearing, then you have shomei ka'one, which means when I'm hearing words, as if I'm saying words, I'll like But if I'm sitting with my Tanya and I'm, I'm just uh, looking at the words, so the concepts of Torah are coming into my mind, which is a great thing, but the mitzvah of Talmud Torah is to say the words, actually mouth the words. That's something actually a lot of people don't know, that you shouldn't just, um, if you're reading, and again, there's nothing wrong with this getting Torah ideas, but to do the mitzvah in a complete form, it's to mouth the words of Torah. And again, halachically, in the morning, there's a mitzvah called birchas Torah. But what if I, so if I wake up in the morning, I really shouldn't be saying words of Torah before I say brachas, right? But what if I'm thinking about the Torah that I learned yesterday? You know, Thursday morning, typically, you're, you, you're in bed laying there, you're just thinking about last night's time you class. Like, what else are you thinking about, right? Obviously. Right, obviously. So, but I didn't say Berchus Torah yet, but it's okay, because you're just thinking about it. But when you call up your friend first thing in the morning, let's discuss Tanya, then you got to say Berchus Torah first. That's the next one you call in the morning, you should, you should do that tomorrow. <laughs> Did I say something that made you upset? No, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow, look at this guy. Sheer Wow, yeah. oh, power move. Uh, we'll move this one 10 minutes earlier than all of that one because it's awesome. What's the Shiran? Uh, Nicholas Esser now. Yeah, that's great. If what that's what a lot of people want, I can handle that. Maybe we'll discuss it. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, I'm ready to roll.
Earlier, 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 yeah. Earlier, it could be better. <laughs> okay, so let's let's try to get a few more lines in. So he says, "I'm I'm." Uh, See, Zaldi. I'm five lines from the uh, from the bottom here. Vehine kisha adam osik b'torah. When a person is involved in Torah study, azayin nishmaso. When you're learning Torah, your neshama is really excited. Nishmaso she nafsha lokis the godly soul im shnei levusheha hapnimim. With its two internal garments, which we studied way back, is thought and speech, levadam alone, shehem koach hadibur machshava, which is the power of speech and power of thought, nichlolos baor Hashem itself baruchu. Again, so when I'm studying Torah, I got my mind involved, I got my mouth involved, and they're all included within the infinite light of Hashem, umiyuchadus boner, unified with it, biyuchud gomer, with a perfect unity. This is the way the Shekhinah rests on the godly soul. As it says in Pirkei imo. Even if one person sits and studies Torah, the Shekhinah is with him. So he says Torah is great, but who is being affected? The godly soul. The godly soul, the thought, the speech, the more spiritual parts of me are studying Torah. My hands aren't part of the story. My feet aren't part of the story. My goof, my body is not part of the godly union when I'm studying Torah. In order to draw down the light and the and the the ray or the shine of the shechina, even on a person's body, and the animal soul, which is the vital soul. Which is totally enclosed within the body, the physical, actual runnings of a body. For this, you gotta do action mitzvahs. Because this is where the body gets involved. And that's the ultimate purpose of things. That's why, if there's a mitzvah to do and I'm studying Torah, what do I, what do I gotta do? Stop learning. You got to stop learning and do the mitzvah. As long as no one else. If no one else is going to do it. Why? Because ultimately, it's about the physical. Ultimately, it's about bringing it down. But it's still interesting that it says, like, learning Torah. I forgot the phrase, but learning Torah. It can I get cool. Because, you know, always when we're learning one point, we forget the other point. Torah creates a certain union with Hashem that nothing else does. According to... And that's correct. And that's an, and that's the back and forth which we're going to be discussing more in chapter 36, 37. But the basic point is the basic point is each one has a great advantage. Torah Torah has a certain spiritual strength that nothing else has. And, and like those people that you meet that aren't learning and aren't religious, but they're just like huge Baal Right. There's something special about that. There's no question there is. You know? There's no question there is. Torah carries a certain punch of spirituality that nothing else does. It's Hashem's wisdom. You connect to it like nothing else. Um, and that's through Torah. Um, when a person is studying Torah, he's studying Hashem's wisdom. And the more Torah you're studying, the more Hashem becomes the way you think. It becomes internalized like nothing else. On the other hand, it's a spiritual activity. It's the greatest spiritual activity and it's more divine than mitzvahs. But it's only connecting and affecting the spiritual side of me. When I'm doing mitzvahs, I'm bringing it down home, so to speak. My hands are becoming Jewish hands. My feet are becoming Jewish feet. My walking, my turning. My fit, my, my, when I'm giving tzedakah, my workplace is becoming a holy place. Because what's tzedakah? Tzedakah is the money that I made through going to work. So when I'm giving tzedakah at the end of the day or at the end of the week, really what I'm doing is I'm, I'm turning my entire work into holy activity. And that's bringing it down. 
And that's what, that's what mitzvah brings to the table. Mitzvah brings to the table, bringing it down into the physical realm. Um, she, she says, Because then it's the actual body that's involved in the doing, it becomes included in the light of Hashem, and His will, and becomes unified with Him in a perfect union. This is the third garment, which is the garment of action. Right? There's thought, speech, and action. Torah takes care of thought and speech, but mitzvahs take care of action. It says, Then the actual vital soul that's in my body, that comes from klipa, that, that which is not necessarily godly automatically, nishapech miralatov is transformed from bad to good. Venichlal mamish bikedusha kenefesh olokis mamish. That becomes totally included within kedusha, just like the godly soul. So suddenly, the animal soul becomes part of the story as well, because who's the one who makes my hands move, my legs move? That's the animal soul. That's the vital soul. Me'achra shehu hu hapoyel ve'oisem ma'ise hamitzvah. It's the animal soul that actually does the mitzvah. Shebilado, if not for the animal soul, The godly soul itself can't do anything with the body. The, the, the godly soul is very spiritual. The body is very physical. What's able to cross the roads? What's the intermediary? That's the animal soul. That which is enclosed in the, in the heart and the entire body, that's what brings it down to the, to, the, to, the, to the realm of action. So I think we're going to stop here. But the point that he's telling us over here, and that's, again, you asked the question before, mitzvah is all about doing Hashem's will. Torah is Hashem's will. What's the action side? And the action side is that it brings it down, it brings it down into our body, it brings it down into our animal soul, and that's what Torah doesn't give us, and specifically mitzvahs give us, and that's really what last so-so is all about, and why mitzvahs are so central to, uh, to Yiddishkeit. Uh, that's the... You, you definitely need both. And without a doubt, we're going to get back to Torah. He goes back and forth. We're going to get back to Torah for sure. But here he told us why mitzvahs are so important. So really, if you think about it, we discussed tonight two points. The first point was... <laughs> He's mad I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pencil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are mine. <laughs> okay, didn't Torah afterward. But, so the first point we discussed is the importance of doing Hashem's will versus our feelings. That was part one. And then we said, within doing Hashem's will, there's Torah and mitzvahs. There's Torah, which is doing Hashem's will, but using the spiritual aspects of ourselves. And mitzvahs is doing Hashem's will, bringing it down to the more physical um, and human aspects of ourselves as well, which is a very important part of what we're all about.